Okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> just first things first, if you're visiting with us for the first time this morning, <laughs> next Sunday when I get up here, don't feel like you have to clap. That's not <laughs> Oh boy, I was not ready for the emotion that comes with this. This is a really strange feeling. It's a really good feeling. Um, I've been away for a while, and for those of you who are new, I've been on a five-month sabbatical, um, and I have an awful lot to talk about regarding that time and all that God showed me. Um, so first, I want to say this. Um, I want to say thank you. I know that it is a rare privilege to do something like this. Well, I don't take this for granted. This time has been a much needed experience of the Sabbath for me. And I'm so, so impressed with all that God did here during that time. So many of you stepped into what God had for you during this time. And the things that I keep hearing and experiencing um, just blow my mind. God is so faithful in the way that he has worked here in the last five months and uh, the ways that he is going to work in the days and weeks and months and years ahead. He has been active. He has been busy. He's been lining things up. He's been bringing people into places they hadn't ventured before. He's bringing visions together in perfect harmony. It is absolutely remarkable, and we should celebrate him, and we should praise him for all that he has done and all that he's going to do. So, um, again, thank you so much for this time. It has been incredibly valuable, far beyond anything I imagined it would be. This morning, there is a strong desire in me to say absolutely everything in one message, um, and there is no possible way I can pull that off. So um, this is, be patient. This is the start of something that's coming this morning. But before I get going into that, um, first let me just talk to the kids in the room. So everybody in the room that's Jared's age or younger, um, let's just address the, this group that's here today, all right? Um, I want to tell you about what I'm going to talk about for a little while because this is a family service and you guys back at the table and in other places here, kids, I'm so glad that you're in this room. Um, there is so much going on right now and you are, are privileged to be a part of it. Um, and so here's, here's where I'm going with this morning. When Jesus was here with us, kids, he did some amazing things. He came to earth, he became one of us, and he spent some time experiencing life as one of us, as a man, as a human being. And during that time, he accomplished so much. There were so many things that he taught us, so many words that he said that we live by. There were so many things he did to show the world that he was God. He did miracles, and he did all kinds of things to... To, to teach and to grow us up and to show us this new way that is so significant and so life-giving. And once in a while, and it's in the Bible it talks about this, once in a while Jesus needed to take a time out. And he didn't take a time out because he had done something wrong. He took a time out because he needed to go visit someone. 
He needed to go spend some time with his dad. He needed to spend some time with his father. And so Jesus would take time and he would simply go for a walk. He would go up a mountain and he would take time talking to his dad, listening to him and experiencing just being with him. Jesus needed to do that. And that's what I needed to do for a while. I needed to take a time out, not because I had done something wrong, but because I needed time to talk to God, to listen to God, to be with God. How many of you kids have seen the movie Tangled or watched the TV series Tangled, right, that Disney put out? All right, there's this, this, it's a crazy story, it really is, and it's a lot of fun. It's a story about Rapunzel and her super long hair. Well, I'm going to talk this morning about my, how my life had gotten tangled. I'm not going to talk about my hair. Okay, that's not what this is about. Just, just so you understand, this message is called tangle, untangled, but it's not about my hair, and I have to laugh because uh, one of my sons, and I won't tell you which one, you'll have to try and figure this out on your own, one of my sons was teased on the soccer field the other day by an opponent um, who referred to him as Rapunzel, <laughs> and, and, he was, and he, no, he did not have his feelings hurt, he laughed about it and told me about it afterwards, it's just, that's, it is funny sometimes, like, that's the best some kid could come up with was calling him Rapunzel because of his hair. Um, kids, on your tables back there, you have some stuff in front of you that is related to what I'm talking about today. You have some little pieces of yarn on your table that are all tangled up together. You have some mazes on your table that you can work through and some other things that you can do to untangle things. And so whenever I'm talking and you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about, just grab one of those things and work through it and know that I'm talking about untangling a mess. That'll help you remember that that's what I'm talking about. And so let me talk now about how I got to the point of needing to take a walk up the mountain. Life in ministry is interesting, to say the least. I've been on staff at this church for over 16 years now. And the journey has been absolutely incredible. I've been blessed in so many ways. I've had the privilege of seeing God do so many amazing things here on a daily basis He's, he's growing us into a more and more welcoming church. He's growing us into an ever-maturing church. This is a faithful church, and there are many, many things about this church family that have brought me tremendous joy over the years. I've been blessed to serve here. I even consider myself blessed to be able to bear the burdens of this church family at times. God shows me the love that he has for all of you, and then he lets me experience that love as well myself, and sometimes that love comes with a little bit of heaviness. Even in this season, there are things that are more than a little heavy going on here. Um, yesterday, I had the honor of leading a memorial service here in this church for Irv Linson, who passed away recently after battling some health issues, and I just ask that you would keep Patricia and their family in your prayers Betsy Beach lost her father recently in a tragic accident. Don Dickey, it is so good to see you here. She's been fighting illness for a long time and has not been able to get clear answers from the doctor, and it dramatically impacted her life. And during the sabbatical, my wife and I had the privilege of going to the facility where she was staying and bringing her home after such a long time. James Seitz lost his stepbrother suddenly last Sunday. 
Dave Fordyce, one of our staff, spent some time in the hospital with a heart problem, and thankfully he was able to get the procedure he needed and come home last week. And he asked me to read this message to the church on their behalf and says this, Dear friends, thank you so much for all the prayer and support for us these past few weeks. We have truly been blessed, Dave and Janola Fordyce. Life and ministry can be heavy at times. But that heaviness is honestly a joy because it connects my heart to the heaviness that Jesus feels all the time. Even if I get just a small representation of what he feels. But then, out of the blue, we get slammed with a pandemic. And issues like racism and politics bombard our nation and yes, even our church. And we're thrown into what's easily been the toughest season that the church has faced in a long, long time. And now I bear the weight of all that as well. And that weight becomes heavier and heavier and heavier. God called me to his plan for my life and that wild intersection of life and ministry. It wasn't a new thing for me when he did. I grew up as a pastor's son. During the sabbatical, I actually made a few trips cross-country to help my parents bring to close 60 years in ministry. 60. And move them back to Canada. Now, with my history in ministry, and as a pastor's kid, there's not much that can catch me off guard in the world of church ministry, or so I thought. Now, I've never been delusional about ministry being easy. I knew that this call wasn't to this nice, easy, straight path, stroll-in-the-woods lifestyle. Instead, the last few years looked more like a tangled mess for me. Five years ago, if I was offered a sabbatical, I would have declined And that would have been a huge mistake. (laughs) But I would have said that I was standing strong. No need for it. I'm doing great. This is so much fun. But this year I needed a sabbatical. I needed to take a time out and take a walk up the mountain and be with God. And I need to do that on a far more regular basis. And church, we all do. I want to share with you what happened on my trip up the mountain. In the song that we sang before I got up here, we sang these words. When I'm lost, you pursue me. Lift my eyes to see your glory. A beautiful line. God pursued me and he invited me to do what he invited his people to do. A long, long time ago through the prophet Jeremiah. He said in Jeremiah 6.16, he said, Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. In this statement, God was inviting Israel to come back to the path that he had chosen for them. They had wandered. Now, not in the same way that I had wandered, but they too had gotten off track. They weren't sharing the road with God at that time. They were struggling on their own. I was struggling on my own. I was not sharing the road with God like I should have been. Now listen, I hadn't lost faith in him. I didn't forsake God like Israel had back in the time of Jeremiah, but I had gotten distracted and disillusioned by all that was happening around me and the impact that it was having on God's church. There are three main components to my time up the mountain. 
And I want to share those with you. And I'm not sharing these with you for the sake of justifying the sabbatical. I don't feel the need to do that. I'm not sharing with you to drum up sympathy. This is not a sob story about how hard my life had become. Not at all. I'm sharing this because this is one more story of redemption. Every mess that the culture of this world makes is an opportunity for God to bring his kingdom to earth and redeem this fallen world. I believe that the experience that I'm having right now because I was able to take a sabbatical is relevant to every single one of us in this room. God can redeem whatever we're facing, whatever burden we're carrying. The first phase of the sabbatical was an unexpected one. Um, I didn't think this is how it would start, but it did. The first phase was characterized by lament. I did a lot of lamenting. I learned what's at the source of lament. Sometimes we just think of lamenting as complaining. Lamenting is simply us whining about something that we don't like, asking for sweet potatoes and having regular potato fries come on your plate is not grounds for lamenting. That is not it. But over the summer, the, the church that I was attending did a series of messages on the Psalms. They picked a different Psalm each Sunday and broke it down. You know what each of those Psalms had in common? Lamenting. David was a pro at lamenting. So many psalms start with a statement about how bad things were for David. He cried out to God to save him. He cried out to God to listen to him and have mercy on him. He cried out to God to destroy his enemies. Now, that's not exactly how things went for me early on in the sabbatical. The core of what happened is very similar. The details were different. At no point did I ask God to destroy my enemies. It wasn't nearly as graphic as David. But I lamented, and I learned a lot in the process, and here's what I mean. To lament means to grieve, means to experience sorrow. I was sad, but like David, my sadness was different than just griping over my circumstances. What I thought was a cumulative effect of me being hurt was not that at all. I hurt because God's family hurt. And it took me some time to realize that. We've had the privilege of having George Kenworthy with us the past two weeks. I really like this guy. I really do. It is an absolute privilege to serve with him in an organization like Haiti Teen Challenge. George reminded us of how individualistic we are in this culture. I think that individualism carries over into the way we read things like the Psalms. For most of my life, I've read the Psalms as if it was merely David's expression of his own personal journey, and his lamenting was little more than his incredibly repetitive complaining to God about how hard his life was. So try this. When you read the Psalms, read it as if the words that you're reading are coming from the mouth of the church. God's family, not just David. The church, of which you are a part, is crying out to God for help because the church is hurting. In Chapel Hill, we need to hurt with God's church. 
with his family. Something very special that's found in that kind of lamenting. This has been a very hard season for God's family. I've seen the fragmentation firsthand. I've seen God's people take shots at their brothers and sisters over earthly cultural things. I've seen churches split, some even to the point of closing their doors permanently. Our culture has been coaching us in the meanwhile to get cynical. Our culture has encouraged us to write people off and only accept like-minded people. Our culture has become more fractured than I've ever seen it, and the church has not been exempt to that. And in the process, many, many people working in ministry have been hurting to the point of having to take measures. One of the saddest things that I learned recently was just how hard this has been on pastors in America. In the past three years, 40% of the pastors in America have stepped down. 40%. I joined a pastor's cohort called the Resilient Pastor towards the end of the sabbatical so that I have some structure and accountability in place as we move forward. Last week, we broke into small groups that we'll interact with for the next six months. And true to the numbers, two of the five pastors in my small group are in the process of resigning. God's family has been hurting over the past, past few years in ways that it never has. And that has caused me great Sorrow. In the Bible, there's a book that's dedicated to this reality. It's even called Lamentations. Now, it's unclear who the author is, but it is commonly believed to be Jeremiah, the one I read from earlier. After the fall of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., Jeremiah pours out his lament over the pain that God's family was enduring in this book. So for the first couple of months of the sabbatical, I lamented. This hurts. But it is far from being the end of the story. From there, I entered a period of longing. Longing. Longing should be an essential part of the life of a follower of Jesus. We live in a reality that most of the world misses out on. We live with hope. We live in the reality that the author of Lamentations lived in. In Lamentations 5.19, he says, But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all endures to all generations, no matter what was happening. This is the statement he made. God, your throne endures forever. The Bible ends with one of the most powerful pictures of our future that exists. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5 is a lighthouse for me. It has been for a long time. Just listen to these words. John writes this of his vision. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be, be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. The lament over Jerusalem in the book of Lamentations turns into this statement. 
this statement of hope about Jerusalem, about God's kingdom, God's people. There's a new Jerusalem coming, one with no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain. The Apostle Paul spoke of this hope in his letters as well. This is Romans 8, verses 18 to 25. Paul writes this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who, who hopes for what he sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it. With patience, we live, Chapel Hill, in that hope, in that longing. It helps us put our current circumstances in a perspective. Are you longing for the day of Christ's return? The hope found in the promise, a promise of his return is something that we can hang on to in times like this. Last word that I'm going to touch on is the word listening. Listening. Ultimately, through the whole experience of the sabbatical, God brought me back to the need that I have to listen to him. I think this discipline has become more and more difficult to practice in the midst of the chaos around us right now. I think that's true for every one of us. Over the last few years, we've been overwhelmed with the voices so many opinions, so many perspectives, so many theories, so many claims, so many experts that we listen to. I could spend many hours every day listening to all the voices out there speaking to all the issues that we're facing. How is it that so many of us have lost track of the one voice that we should be hearing every moment of every day when we're listening to so many voices. Jesus said that the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. His voice is the only voice that we can trust. His voice is the only voice that's backed up by an unconditional, never-ending love for us. Yet we put our trust in the voices of strangers so often, don't we? The most important thing that came out of the sabbatical for me was the call to listen more intently for the voice of my shepherd. The church in America, like the culture, has struggled for a long time to determine which voice we can trust in the midst of all the issues that we're facing. And God clarified for me the fact that he has not called me to tell you how to think about all these issues. Many, many pastors in this country felt pressured to be the voice that tells their church where they need to stand on all of our current issues. And while there's good intention behind the desire to do that for our churches, honestly, it misses the mark. 
Every follower of Jesus has been given access to God. No longer do God's people wait for the priest or the prophet to hear from God and then follow what they say. We have now entered into a new covenant with God. One where God writes his laws on the hearts and minds of his people. That means it's his voice that counts. And together, church, we will dig into how to better seek him and his voice. And I will commit myself more now than I ever have to pointing this church to the one true source of our wisdom, our power, our direction, and so much more. We will seek and listen to the voice of our shepherd. It is my prayer and purpose to bring us into closer communion with God than we've ever experienced before. We will restore our pursuit of our father, our king, our shepherd, our friend. And we will invite him to untangle the mess that life has become. Traveling next to him on the path that he created for us. Individually and as a church family. That's the purpose of this series called Untangled. We're going to restore our pursuit of God and follow Jesus with everything that we've got. We're going to do this on our own individually, but we're also going to do it collectively together as a church. I ask that you would be praying for this as we work through this series together. One of the things that I have looked forward to the most in coming back is the joy of sharing communion with you. This is a real treat to be able to do that today. I want to give you just a little bit of direction on how we're going to do that together. Because it's going to be just a little bit different than we typically do it on these Sundays. I would really like us to take communion all together today. Okay, So we're going to go into a time of worship and song right now. We're going to sing the first song together here. And during this first song, if you're sitting in the chairs in rows up here, I invite you to come and get the elements from the tables up here at the front and return to your seat with them. At the tables at the back, the elements are there on the tables for you. Make sure that everyone who's partaking in communion has those elements in front of them, but hold on. After our first song, I'm going to come back up here and I would like to lead us through sharing communion together as a church. This has become more and more meaningful to me over time. That we understand that God has invited us individually and as a church into his presence. That is where we live. We're going to look very closely at that together. What it means to live in the presence of God. What it means to walk closely with him. To have a close, intimate relationship with the Father. We're going to look at that together. But today I just want to celebrate the fact that we have access to God together. I want to do that together. So when you get the elements, hold on to them. After the first song, I am going to come back up here and we're going to take communion all together. And that includes the worship team, the tech team. Everybody will be prepared. We will have this time together as God's family. Will you pray with me, please? Father, you are, <laughs> you are well aware of the abundance of gratitude there is in my heart. I 
cannot thank you enough for this church family. Cannot thank you enough for the opportunity to step aside and take a walk up the mountain to see you. Cannot thank you enough for the privilege of being able to stand up here on a Sunday and share what you've laid on my heart. And my prayer for myself and for all of us is that we will restore our walk with you, that we will return to the path that you have for us. And even if we've never lost faith in you, we've never wandered that far from you, I know the impact this world has had on all of us. All of the distractions, the detours, things that have caused us to maybe lose that closeness with you lose sight of the the path that you've laid out before us and I ask that we would return to that place God I thank you so much for all that you've done over these months for all of the people that you've ministered to and through and how this church has thrived thank you for their spirit of servanthood even looking back to yesterday and how many stepped up to set up, serve, clean up, just be the church for Patricia and her family. The ways that they pray, ways that they come alongside each other. God, I ask for your blessing to just pour out in a full way on this church. I ask that you would lead us, that you would speak to us in a way that we can't miss it you would give us clarity and that in the midst of you writing your law on our hearts and minds individually, you will create the the unity that comes through being brothers and sisters in your family, your children, sons and daughters, your church, your bride. We invite you and trust you to guide us to take all that's happened, redeem it, Make it new. Encourage us, grow us, restore and redeem us. We are your children. We are your family. We are your church. And we invite you to accomplish your will and to bring your kingdom here into our midst. And we do this in the name of Jesus Christ, your son, the one who paid it all. Amen.